This week on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations featuring rock expert Frank Ost, we head back to the middle part of season two in our classic conversations with Billy Joel, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer 1999, and also coming to Ohio Stadium in Columbus with a big concert planned with Stevie Nicks this coming summer. Enjoy. Hall of Fame inductees, turning the page to 1999. And this whole decade of the 90s, we're going to see some really good acts. Oh, yeah. Starting here with Curtis Mayfield, Sean Combe, a.k.a. P. Diddy. He might have been known as Puff Daddy at the time. A member of the Impressions from 57 to 70. You know, Freddie's Dead, the theme from Superfly. Uh, he died in at the age of 57. Curtis yeah, Mayfield. that was a real tragedy. He uh, became paralyzed in, yeah. in, I think, a uh, uh, stage accident. Yeah, a lighting tower fell on him before a show in 1980. He was paralyzed from the chest down after that freak mm. accident. Good what performer, though. Oh. Paul McCartney, solo artist introduced by Neil Young, interesting, born James Paul McCartney, June 1942. Nine number one solo hits, Wings, Paul McCartney and Wings, just regular Paul McCartney, (laughs) then Wings again in 75, he's done it all, it's great, I mean. Well, one of the greatest songwriters in history, period, I mean, of, of any genre you pick, you've got to put him up there. Del Shannon, Runaway, Hats Off to Larry, those were 61 hits, 1961. Born Charles Westover. Del Shannon fit better, I think. Yeah. Died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in 1990 at the age of 55. Um. Dusty Springfield. Introduced by Elton John. Born Mary O'Brien in London, England in 1939. Died of cancer. Just 59 years old. Common theme here. Yeah. And I think she was another one of those kind of British things. Uh, Not whole... A lot of stuff happened here in the States for her, but boy, was she big there. And I'm sure that's why Elton John was uh, introducing her. Exactly. Wishing and Hoping, number six in 1964. You Don't Have to See You Love Me, Son of a Preacher Man. Comeback hit with the Pet Shop Boys. What Have I Done? What Have I Done? What Have I Done? Oh, that's right. Early 1988. Bruce Springsteen, minus the E Street Band. Not without controversy. They got their due later on, but not in the performer category. E Street Band was inducted as a member of the Music Excellence category. That's right. Introduced by Bono was Bruce Springsteen. And, um, well, what do you think? Bruce Springsteen, one of your favorites. Obviously, uh, if you say Bruce Springsteen, he has to be in there. But And the E Street Band, because uh, they're one and the same. And anybody who's ever seen him in concert knows that. Just about everything he released, album-wise, at the top ten or top five, didn't have a lot of number ones. In fact, I don't think he had any number one singles. I don't think so. But that album, Born in the USA, was a good one, wasn't oh, it? Oh, jeez. But as you said, it, what, what they have six or seven releases on there? Mm-hmm. I think by the time Cover Me came out, that was about enough. They didn't really need to release <laughs> They released the, basically the whole album. Everybody had the album, too. That's right. Um, In concert, did you get a chance to see him in that era, the mid-80s? absolutely. Uh, I got to see him basically in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, and 2010s. So uh, I have seen him in every decade, and what a fantastic performer. Phenomenal. Yeah. And I would say again that uh, without the E Street Band, you don't get the whole picture. Right. Now, you can call up Tunnel of Love and some other stuff. Ghost of Tom Nebraska, Joe. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Sure. But you're right. It's not the same. No. Certainly not in concert. Staple Singers, Mavis, Cleotha, Purvis, Pops, Anyvon, Take You There, If You're Ready. Those are great tunes. Mm-hmm. Let's Do It Again, also number one in late 75. That was the theme from the movie starring Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. Let's Do It Again. 
That's right. I like them. They were good. And last but not least, our featured artist this week, Billy Joel. in the same class as Paul McCartney because there's something about them and I know they're one's a piano player and one's a bass player there is something about them their music is quite alike I yeah. don't know they're very very melodic in their music I guess is what I'm saying well from that album Glass Houses Don't Ask Me Why was an homage to Paul McCartney writing absolutely says Don't Ask Me Why it's a very McCartney like song sure, song. sure is absolutely all the waiters in your grand One in Wonder Time, Frankie, 1969 in the fall. It went to number five, The Flying Machine. Smile a little, smile for me. You really should accept This time he's gone for good He'll never come back now even though he said he would So darling, dry your eyes So many other guys Would give the world, I'm sure To wear the shoes he wore Oh, come on Smile a little smile for me Rosemary Where's the use in crying In a little while Keep on trying I know that he hurt 
Group made up of uh, running yeah. down the street in your car, yeah, with the windows <laughs> down, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, made up of Tony McCauley and Jeff Stevens. McCauley co-wrote and produced it. Uh, he also wrote Hits Like Love Grows, Where My Rosemary Goes. Okay. Last Night, I Didn't Get to Sleep at All, Fifth Dimension. And Baby, Now That I Found You, as well as Build Me Up Buttercup by The Foundations. And another soon-to-be one-hit wonder for us, Don't Give Up on Us, Baby, by David Soul. So wow. he is a one-hit wonder when you machine can call right out there. a David Soul record. Uh, Smile a Little by The Flying Machine. Not James Taylor's Flying Machine. This was the other one. Um, the flip side was Baby Make It Soon, which was a big hit for the group Marmalade. Remember Reflections of My Life by Marmalade? Oh, yeah, Not Lady Marmalade, but yeah. Right. right. Um, so that was a... a Top 10 hit here, Reflections of My Life, and Smile a Little Smile for Me, which is not easy to say, hit number five, as we closed out the decade of the 60s. In 1971, our other one hit wonder, Free Movement, the, the L.A. R&B group on the Decca record label, I Found Someone of My Own, also number five, Fall of 71. Yep. I love that song. That's a good tune. Seventy-one, right then. Uncle Albert and uh, Shaft, One Fine Morning. Those were all ah. all being played when I started off uh, trudging my way to that like five-mile walk to Harding Middle School. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was a five-mile walk. So you could have that Uphill song both and, ways, by the way. And then back, you could have that song and many others ringing through your head as you made your way there or home. Absolutely. Nobody had headphones back then or buds or anything like that. It was arranged, the song was by Michael Omardian, who also recorded a number of his own contemporary Christian music albums hmm. and produced stuff for Amy Grant and Clint Black, Michael Bolton, Peter Satira, Christopher Cross's debut album, including his debut. Oh, really? When a handful of Grammys, too, Michael did. A session musician for Get This List, Steely Dan, Four Tops, Seals and Crofts, and many others, and was the arranger and keyboard player on the 1985 mega-hit We Are the World. Wow. Michael Omardian, an in-demand session musician and and producer. We could do a segment on just Michael Omardian. Omardian. Yes. Talk about something that's Absolutely. not very easy to say. <laughs> I found someone of my own was written by Frank F. Robinson. Not the Frank Robinson we know 
who's a baseball player. Right. But Frank F. Robinson, the songwriter. Top albums, 1979, Frankie. You give me yours, your top five, and uh, in no particular order, and then I'll give you mine. How's that sound? Sure. Okay, go ahead. Sounds great. I'd have to say probably the biggest album of the year was one uh, by The Clash, One Thing Calling. Uh, You heard it everywhere. Um, It was kind of a new wave punk. I'm not sure what you'd call it, but anyway, it was just a fantastic record. And uh, with songs like London Calling and... uh, um, just a fantastic record. When you heard that album and The Clash, you knew something was not only coming, but it was already there. Oh, yeah. You know, and The Pretenders were soon to come. Blondie was already there. Yeah. Uh, Elvis Costello tells a story about how he drove his people and his band crazy playing it because they said, oh, these guys can't play. But he put it on and he said, listen to it. Listen to, to it some more and made them listen to it. And uh, I think they realized the power in that music. It was produced by Gary Stevens, who also managed um, to give the name to Ian Hunter's group, Mott the Hoople. And Ian Hunter just happens to be uh, You're Never Alone with the Schizophrenic. That's another was, one of your uh, was Another one of my records from that year. Yeah. Um, again, not one a person you'd think of for as far as uh, great records, but uh, he was quite a lot uh, in his own way, kind of like a Michael Stanley of England, mm-hmm. where he was with Mott the Hoople, and they had some hits, but they really never took over, and then he went on his own. And again, he had uh, some hits, like Cleveland Rocks, which is what's on this, but more of his songs were like uh, Just Another Night or um, Wild East, uh, Bastards, another one on this record. Um, songs that are just tremendous songs, but... Unless you listen to the record, you n- you never heard them. They d- did not get much airplay. Uh, one of the unusual songs on this one is a song called Ships, which was one of the last hits for uh, uh, Barry Manilow. Yeah, top ten hit for him in the fall yeah, of 79. Absolutely. Produced by Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson, who we've spoken of before. Ian Hunter's You're Never Alone with a Schizophrenic. I like to spell out like Spiral Staircase and the Circle groups, but I can't spell schizophrenic. <laughs> Absolutely. What else do you have? Uh, Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. And, of course, anybody who was alive in 79 listened to that, uh, the logical song. Yep. Uh, Great it, album cover, too, it was just wasn't a, it? It was. Didn't it have the waitress uh, with the, the tray yeah. on it? Yeah. The, take the Long Way Home. Um, Breakfast in America, Breakfast Goodbye in Stranger. America, Goodbye Stranger. Uh, you could not go 10 minutes without hearing one of them on the, on the uh, uh, radio. And I'm not talking just about uh, AOR. I'm talking about, you know, top 40 radio, yeah. too. That goes uh, for today, too, some just, 42 years later. Just a fantastic record. Um, another one, uh, and I think that we both shared this one, uh, is Damn the Torpedoes by Tom Petty. Um, another one that you couldn't get away from that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first time we really kind of got to know him yeah uh he'd done a a few things before that you know american girl i think was a hit for him i need to know and yeah but this was breakdown this came uh out of really out of nowhere yeah don't do me like that refugee Refugee. oh my god produced by jimmy ivine yep here comes uh here comes my girl even the losers i mean what a tremendous record um song after song song after song uh he was kind of lumped in with the new wave, but obviously he came out of more like the birds kind of. Yeah. He, his his hero, uh, you know, was uh, 
Chris McGuinn, you know, mm-hmm. that was his hero. Yeah. Uh, so he was just a, a fantastic artist, and boy, the Heartbreakers were a great band. Um, and they're still, I, although Tom has left us, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think Mike Campbell's still active in, in uh, music with, uh, yeah, with Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you have Led Zeppelin on there, don't you? Their well, final studio album. I absolutely do. And I think one of the reasons I love this album so much is that had they not put it out, and they put it out just before we lost John Bonham, and then there would never be another, as we knew it, Led Zeppelin record, although they did put Coda out as kind of a posthumous thing. We would all think that their last record was Presence, and Presence was the most disappointing record maybe that I've ever heard. Uh, Didn't like it then. I've listened to it recently. I don't like it now. Um, Just doesn't do anything for me. And if that was our swan song from them, it would be such a sad thing. But this one came through with some great tunes on it. And just, you know, uh, Fool in the Rain and uh, some of the other tunes that were on here. Just in the evening. Mm -hmm. uh, Just fantastic. All My Love. Uh, Just some fantastic stuff, and it was really a return to form for them. My top five, Michael Jackson, Off the Wall, Rock With You, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Right After Each Other, starting out the album produced by Quincy Jones. Title cut, Off the Wall, great dance tunes, you know, you had the the dance hall upstairs or downstairs or whatever, and... Don't don't Stop Till You Get Enough is probably one of the greatest dance tunes of all time. What a fantastic... What a fantastic tune that Michael's is. fifth studio album, but was really his breakout album as an adult solo artist. You could Absolutely. tell he was taking his uh, his solo career very seriously. Mm-hmm. He had already produced a few of those uh, studio albums featuring Rock and Robin and Ben in the early to mid-70s, and did his work with the Jacksons and continued to do so into the 80s with the Victory Tour and whatnot. But uh, Off the Wall, great album by Michael Jackson. Well, there would be no thriller if there hadn't been an off-the-wall exactly, before. Yeah. I mean, it set up everything. Totally agree. Cars, Candio, their follow-up, uh, Let's Go, the title cut, Candio, It's All I Can Do, Double Life, Dangerous Type. Mm-hmm. I won't say the hits go on and on, but the, the songs, one after another, are put together perfectly by Roy Thomas Baker again. You know, a lot of fl- a good flow between the two the, the two songs and then the three songs, sometimes a whole side. Exactly. And I think uh, it doesn't get the love that it should get because of their first album, was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, just about every song on the record got played on, on the radio. So they went from this unbelievable first album, you know, everybody wanted the same thing, and they got something a little bit different. Yeah. But through the years, I think we've come to appreciate it. And Roy Thomas Baker at the time was busy with Journey as well. Uh, for me, Alan Parsons' project, Eve, had Lucifer on there, Damned If I Do, Produced by, of course, Alan Parsons, but it remains one of my favorite albums. In fact, it's on my wall. That album, and Damned If I Do, was the very first song that I played as a college DJ. Really? When you started at the all-campus radio network, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary, maybe even this (laughs) week, uh, it was the fall of 79, and a little DJ known as Tim Friedman wandered up Jeff Hill at Ohio University and uh, said, I want to be on the air. Well, you can't just get on the air uh, because we took our college radio station, commercial college radio station, very seriously. You can't just 
be on the air. You have to get checked out. Sure. So on Sunday night, we'd play in the BBC Rock Hour or one of those. And that's when prospective DJs would get checked out. So you have a 20-minute audition, if you will, with the production director in the other room. And you'd be sitting in the studio. And they'd put a bunch of records in front of you. You'd cue them up. And off you went. You played really? DJ that's for, how it worked, huh? for 20 minutes. And if they liked what they heard and you spun the songs correctly and, <laughs> you know, cued them up right. Did you say anything at that time? Or? Had to have a rap, yeah. Okay, a little, you had a little, little, little manufactured rap. Okay. Um, uh, you only had like 20 minutes or so to get checked out. But if they liked you, then you were in the pool of all the other people who wanted to be on the air. And back yeah. then, there was probably 30 or 40 people in the radio station. Sure. I so, knew just enough about him, too, to make it sound like uh, I knew what I was talking about because it was album-oriented rock we were playing yeah. back then. And uh, so Eve remains one of my favorite albums, and the album cover is still adorning my wall. Nice. Doobie Brothers, 1979, Minute by Minute. Did not really like what a fool believes uh, I did then, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it took them like 93 takes or something to put the uh, song together, and they wound up using take three or something. That sounds about right. Uh, Here to Love You, I love that song. But the one I liked most was Dependent on You, co-written and sung by not Michael McDonald, but Patrick Simmons. Yeah. A nice little break from Michael McDonald. I like the album, but I really, really like uh, Minute by Minute and Dependent on You. And Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes. Oh, love that song. Absolutely. I uh, love the album, rather. The song, um, the song Don't Do Me Like That, uh, was the one that kind of led its way into the 80s. Now, it was more of an 80, 1980 album. Right. But it was released well, in the fall of 79. Sure. So it qualifies in, in the 79 album. But kind of like uh, Asia with, De- with Deacon Blues and Peg and Home at Last with mm-hmm. Steely Dan, that was more of a 78 album, even though it was recorded and, and then put out in late 77 so it could it could work in either year couldn't it absolutely other great albums from 1979 52nd street by billy joel Mm what do you think of bruce springsteen's darkness on the edge of town we fit on that a couple times yeah it's uh the the title is perfect because it is a little darker Dark. than Candy's Room and and yes, uh, Badlands yeah. and yeah, it's it's a little bit different sound, but uh, over the years it's aged well with me. I I like it a lot. And the Wall, of course, you really oh. couldn't get away from that album. You still can't. I was never a big Pink Floyd fan, but I've kind of grown to at least appreciate them and respect them over the years. What did you think? Yeah, I had a I had trouble not including that. Not because I liked it so much, but just because it was so popular and yeah. so much of uh, what we consider 1979. It was like it was like Super Trans Breakfast in America. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. Now I liked The Wall. There are other albums I liked better. Mm-hmm. It just came out at a good time. Neil Young's Russ Never Sleeps. That's one of my favorites. Terrific, of terrific album. Look out, Mama! There's a white boat coming. Listen a mile away I hope they didn't come 
Talking Heads Fear of Music. We love Talking Heads. I be love a, that one. They'll be one of our featured artists. It was a tough soon. to keep it off there, but, you know, you like to go with something a little bit different now and then. You couldn't get away from Donna Summer, Bad Girls. That's right. And the Bee Gees, Spirits Having Flown, they followed up, you know, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack with Tragedy and Too Much Heaven, uh, Love You Inside Out. Some good tunes, but the Bee Gees were having a hard time as you hit the 90s. They, yeah, they knew that, that, that was kind of their last really super yeah, hit. Talk about swan yeah. song for them. Yeah. Elvis Costello's Armed Forces. Good ELO, record. Yeah, yeah. ELO Discovery. Everybody was getting into disco. That's right. Disco very. <laughs> <laughs> David Bowie and Lodger, Wings, Head Back to the Egg. Earth, Wind, and Fire talked about them in our previous episode, I Am. And Bad Company, Desolation Angels. We're going to have... Bad Company and Guess Who, Three Dog Night, Backman Turner Overdrive. We'll probably lump them all together as our featured artists. Oh, that's neat. As artists, I think we wanted more from. We wish we could have heard more. Bob Dylan's Slow Train Coming, Foreigner, Head Games, Gary Newman, The Pleasure Principle. Remember Cars? And boy, does that signal the 80s are coming, right? Absolutely. Woo! Van Morrison. We haven't talked about a lot about him, but I like him. Into the Music. Fan the Man, Yeah, yes. his 11th studio album featuring Bright Side of the Road. Okay, Frankie, artists who have ventured out on their own having success in their group and a successful solo career or not. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of a long title, but I don't know how else to title <laughs> it right now. I'll come up with something. Uh, on the upside, thumbs up, Stevie Nicks. Of course. Great voice. Wind. 
On the flip side, Marty Ballin, he of Jefferson Starship fame, one of the co-founders of the Jefferson Airplane and left after the album Earth, which was fantastic. Then he had Hearts in 1981. I thought that was going to send him into at least somewhat stardom, maybe not super stardom category, but... At least people would know. Yeah, Yeah, Marty Ballin just kind of fell off the face of the earth. He He passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, I uh, loved his work, obviously, with the airplane and the starship. And uh, you would have definitely thought that he was somebody that was going to have at least a decent career and really petered out very quick. It kind of did. It was too bad because Hearts was a really good tune. It was out Mm -hmm. at the perfect time of year, and I thought great things were going to happen for him, and nothing ever did. Kind of fizzled out for him, didn't it? Absolutely. another category i haven't really shortened it if i were to start a record collection with a certain artist what would it be Uh, i'm going to ask you about billy joel that's our featured artist this week Uh, where would you begin with billy joel if i wanted to start a little collection of my own with his music personally i think the best place to start would be the one that really made his career and that's the stranger only because if you go before that you really don't get a good idea of what he was all about. I mean, Piano Man's nice, The Entertainer, there are a few, few Street hits. Life Serenade. Yeah, there are a few hits that you, you could probably hang your hat on, but who was the stranger that really set his career in motion and uh, was just an excellent record? A bottle record. of white, a bottle of red, perhaps a bottle of rosé instead. Get a table near the street In our old familiar place You and I face to face mm-hmm. A bottle of red A bottle of white It all depends upon your appetite I'll meet you anytime you want Italian red 
song moving out just the way you are yeah Yeah, you kind of got tired of it after a while but only the good die young if you really if you don't know who he is i think that would be a perfect one to start at yeah i agree i would do stranger and probably 52nd street Mm -hmm. close behind glass houses was really good um wasn't a big billy joel fan in the 80s we'll talk more about that in a couple minutes but i think the stranger is a really good place to start with billy joel Featured artist time, William Martin Joel, Frankie, Billy mm-hmm. Joel. I would think that Billy, I thought Joel was his middle name. I didn't I, know it was his last I name. I would have thought, yes, I would have definitely thought it was something else. The piano man was born in the Bronx, raised on Long Island. His mother insisted that he take piano lessons, so he did. to pursue a music career, so he did something every mom would like. He dropped out of high school. His father was a classic pianist, classically trained, and a businessman born in Nuremberg, Germany. Billy's folks divorced in 1957. His father moved back to Europe. Oh my God. Citing America as uneducated and materialistic. 
So Billy fought in the Golden Gloves circuit for a short time, winning over 20 bouts. And his early influences? Where have you heard this before? Seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan? Yep. Elvis performed there as well. And the Everly Brothers. Okay. Haven't heard much influences of the Everly Brothers, but I can see where they would influence quite a bit of artists. Oh, absolutely. He joined a couple of bands early on, then signed on with Family Productions as a solo artist and came out with a solo album, a debut in 1971, Cold Springs Harbor, where he caught the eye of Columbia Records a year later and signed with them. He worked in the executive piano bar room in the Wilshire Boulevard under the name Bill Martin. That's where, you know, the... The Billy Joel and Piano Man. The Piano Man, right. yes. Released in 1973, that seven-minute and 15-second version of Captain Jack was a favorite of his early on. In fact, he did a live version of that song for a radio station in Philadelphia in 1972, and its airplay went on a long way toward launching his solo career. It also appears later on in his live album, Songs in the Attic, remember from the early 80s? That's right, yeah. Um, his first live album. Seren- a Street Life Serenade that features really cool instrumental stuff and favorites of his live performance, like The Entertainer, he still performs. Mm-hmm. Root Beer Rag, which you'll hear once in a while, but it's a great instrumental. Early albums included Piano Man, produced by uh, Michael Stewart, who was the brother of John Stewart. Remember Gold? Yeah. John was in Kingston Trio, had mm-hmm. some help there with Stevie Nicks uh, with Gold. And uh, also the co-founder and guitarist for the group We Five, You Were On My Mind. That was Michael Stewart. Wow. Interesting. Of course, Clive Davis got a hold of Billy Joel, put some good albums together, Turnstiles in 1974. Uh, Billy produced as a celebration of his return to his native New York City. He, like Bruce Springsteen, used that as a, a love letter to the Empire State. Absolutely. Angry Young Man, New York State of Mind. Bruce Botnick did the mixing for the album. It did not chart well. Only 122 on the top 200, but did very well in Australia. So sometimes artists don't do well over here, right. but do well over there, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So Phil Ramone joined as producer. Billy Joel, you know, originally thought uh, about George Martin, but remembered that Phil did some good work with Paul Simon and Chicago. That's right. So The Stranger came out in late 1977. I started getting with him then with Just the Way You Are. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Uh, not crazy about moving out and only the good die young only because they're overplayed. Yeah. The Stranger was outstanding. Started seeing him in concert probably in 1979. Came down to OU. Okay. Had that attitude, didn't he? Jumped oh, on yeah. and off the piano and said, don't take no crap, OU. And New Yorker for sure. He definitely had a uh, chip on his shoulder. How many yeah. times have you seen Billy Joel over the years? I have never seen him. Really? I have never seen him. It's a, you, it's a treat. He still comes around. Um, mm-hmm. He said he'll do Madison Square Garden shows as long as they keep buying records, <laughs> uh, keep buying tickets. Uh, talk, he doesn't need to do a residency in Las Vegas, perhaps. He has one right there in New York City. Right What's there in the New York, York? yeah. He'll keep Absolutely. buying those tickets and he's been sold out. You can't get a ticket, I guess. That's incredible. But he did come to Cleveland, oh, probably 2017 or 2018, at Progressive Field. Great show. Just a great show. I saw him also Ohio U in 1979. So I saw him a few times in a lot of different decades. 
just puts on such a great show. I would think the music It is, and he's a great piano player, great entertainer. Uh, after The Stranger came 52nd Street, right on the key of his first number one album. Fresh sound, something different from his previous stuff. the help of various jazz artists for this one, like Freddie Hubbard mm-hmm. and Dave Grusin, and a songwriter and percussionist Ralph McDonald, who wrote the hits, you know, Where's the Love? And Just the Two of Us. Ralph worked with a virtual who's who, so he teamed up with the right guys oh, if they absolutely. wanted to inflect some jazz work in there. Ralph worked with Stevie with Steely Dan and Hall & Oates, the average white band, who I love, by mm-hmm. the way. The Brothers Johnson. I love those oh, guys, too. Yeah. Aretha Franklin, David Bowie, and he wrote Rosalinda's Eyes. Well, he didn't write it, but it featured Ralph McDonald and inspired by Billy Joel's mother, Rosalind Nyman Joel. Oh. Great little tune. Mm-hmm. Rosalinda's Eyes from 52nd Street. My Life at number three, late in 78, early 79, uh, but number one in Zimbabwe. How about that? Chicago's Peter Satira, new member Donnie Dacus, helped out with backing vocals for my life. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Zanzibar. It's actually Zanzibar, but he called it Zanzibar. live shows. He played that a few years ago and I saw it. Freddie Hubbard, jazz okay. artist, provides trumpet, trumpet parts. Really cool jazz tune. Stiletto and Big Shot. 
52nd Street was the first of four to top the album charts and won him two Grammys, including Album of the Year. And back then, in the late 70s, we've gone over some of the great albums that are around. Tough competition wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. 52nd Street was at the time the location of Columbia Records in New York City. That's right. Recording sessions took place just about a block away. But then after that came Glass Houses, signaling the start of a brand new era. Thin ties. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the straight leg jeans. Right. Out went the, the disco era and the big lapels, big ties. The Reagan era was coming in. That's right. And Glass Houses, the second number one album for Billy Joel, came out the perfect time, I thought, and won him another Grammy Award for Best Male Rock Performance. Dawn of a New Decade, without disco, thankfully. Still rock and roll to me. Couldn't go anywhere without hearing that song, could you? Don't ask me why. We talked about before. Yeah. That was a really good album. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes a fantasy was good, too. Songs in the Attic, 1981. Live set recorded at various venues across the United States during his Glass Houses tour, like a year earlier. So I saw him at the Coliseum in July of 1980. It was a really good show. Hard to remember. That was more than 40 years ago. but. I remember songs in the attic, and it was really good. Uh, it had a really nice version of She's Got Away, the live version. And Billy Joel remains one of my favorite artists to see in concert. Um, I know he hasn't been recording any new stuff That's since right. 1993 with the album River of Dreams. I was also a number one album in 1993, nominated for several Grammys but did not uh, win any. The cover painting for River of Dreams was, was uh, designed by his wife at the time, Christy Brinkley. Oh, okay.
Two other great albums of his. We talked about the Nylon Curtain, how much you liked that sure, one. Sure, absolutely. Uh, other ones from the 80s that, that, uh, that you really liked? That uh, I, it's, it's, He put so many out. Yeah, he owned, he pretty much owned the 80s, you know, uh, from from a singer-songwriter standpoint. Yep, along with Bill Collins. Yeah, yep, absolutely. He had a lot of compilation albums, too. In 1997, The Greatest Hits Volume 3 came out. He's had uh, other great compilation albums. Uh, not a lot of live stuff, though, which is which okay. is probably good. Uh, the Nylon Curtain was a really good album of his in 1982. An Innocent Man, released in August of 83, pays tribute to a variety of songwriters, like the doo-wop and the soul music, so he wasn't afraid to kind of venture out in other directions with jazz or with One doo-wop. One that I, I liked was the uh, the bridge. I uh, love the bridge. Yeah, that had... I um, thought it had a lot of good tunes on it. It wasn't a big time hit. And- yeah. But uh, I thought it was great, and it's got one of my favorites, Big Man on Mulberry Street. Oh, I got what that, What a fantastic yeah. song. I like that one. I like This Is The Time. Album. He did do one in Russia, uh, three in Moscow, and three shows in Leningrad. He was considered a nice, safe musical artist to perform. So really? they, they hired him okay. on for uh, the album that he produced live. In 1989, Stormfront came out, nominated in five categories for a Grammy, but didn't win any. But I Go to Extremes, great tune, and so it goes. We Didn't Start the Fire, which and I still don't know how he remembers all those lyrics. He's got to have what's funny, kind of teleprompter in front of him. What's funny is, and this is this is why rock is such a generational thing, I mentioned uh, very briefly that we were doing Billy Joel to my daughter. And she immediately launched into that song, and she knows the whole thing by heart. Does she really? Yes, she does. She can give it to you, the whole thing, the whole spiel. Wow. It's unbelievable. Now, think about that. And... You know, she was, what, five years old when that came out? Yep. That's, it's a generational thing. <laughs> it sounds a little to me like Sympathy for the Devil. We didn't start the fire, and yeah. Sympathy was, you know, after all, it was you and me who did all this. That's right. That's right. 
So for the album Stormfront in 1989, which has a really cool cover, by the way, he started using some new members of his backing band, although he kept drummer Liberty DeVito. David Brown and uh, Mark Rivera were also kept from the band. So he's had some turnover over the years. Uh, He's used other session musicians and uh, producers like Danny Korchmar. And the River of Dreams album had All About Soul and Lullaby. It's his final album. He was just tired of the recording industry, he said, and and tired of, of playing the game, tired of making music like that. And it's unbelievable that that was his last album. Yeah. Because what a way to, you know, what a swan song. 2006, I didn't know about this one. The live album entitled 12 Gardens Live is a really good one, I suppose. I'm about to mm-hmm. download it. I recorded over 12 sold-out shows at the famed Madison Square Garden okay. and features more than two and a half hours of his best work. Recorded in a slightly lower key to preserve his voice because uh, he'd been doing a lot of live <laughs> stuff over the years. Great in concert to this day. Still plays MSG. You know, 33 top 40 hits, three number ones, wow. 23 Grammy Award nominations, but he's won five. You'd think he'd win more than that. But again, yeah. you know, it's a stiff competition anywhere you go, whatever year it was. Sure. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, 1999, well-deserved. Songwriters Hall of Fame, which is important for a, a songwriter, isn't it? Absolutely. 1992. And Kennedy Center Honoree, 20. 13. That's Billy Joel, our featured artist this week. When he comes around again, you and I will go. It's going to be a great show. would love to see him. Most likely uh, at Progressive Field. One of the uh, blind spots in my concert past is Billy Joel, and I'd like to uh, fill that in. You ever see uh, um, a show and and wish you hadn't seen it when you're walking out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There have been a few. I remember one was Pat Metheny. I was all geared up to see Pat Metheny at Playhouse Square. And I couldn't take it any longer at uh, intermission. Now, I like that music. You know, we talked a, a lot about how I like the the, the, the jazz mm-hmm. and the, the different kind of instrumental music. I was all geared up to see Pat Metheny. And boy, I just I wasn't in the mood that night or something. Right, right. I don't know. I don't know what it is. That... Did you ever go to a concert? Maybe you were dragged there by someone, not necessarily your, your spouse, but uh, maybe your friend uh, said, I'll take you. I'll buy a ticket. I'll take you. And then you walk out of there going, God, that was a great show. I'm glad I saw this. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, probably the one I could say that would about would be uh, Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. I did not think I would enjoy his music. Great a full, entertainer. A full show I didn't think I could do, but I actually en- ended up liking it. Where'd you see it? Uh, that was the old Coliseum. Okay. I saw him there and at Blossom. And so many of my great rec- great uh, um, concerts are either at, at uh, the old Coliseum or Blossom. I mean, those were yeah. the two places. Saw some good ones at Public Hall over the years, Front Row Theater. Yeah, Front Row, yeah. I guess for me, I wasn't dragged there because I, I wanted to go, but um, Blossom Music Center, probably three, four years ago, Josh Groban. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I really like Josh Groban, but I don't know if I wanted a whole night of exactly. Josh Groban. But Sarah McLaughlin was one of the opening acts, oh. and I... I loved it. It was great. We sat in the pavilion area, so they had the two big screens and mm-hmm. had a really good view of everything. And uh, Sarah McLaughlin was great. That's great. Josh Groban, just effortless voice. We've seen him a couple of other times in concert, but that was one of those that wasn't expecting much, but came out of there thoroughly entertained and had a great time. I almost didn't mind the drive home. It's neat when you have those kind of things happen. Thanks for being here, Frankie. Appreciate your input as always. Thanks for having me. Next week, Classic Conversations continue this winter with Frank Ost, our 
resident rock expert. He'll be here along with me, Tim Friedman, your host of 70s Rock Conversations. We're going back in time to one of the smoothest, coolest voices you'll ever hear, Marvin Gaye, here on Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.